Amen. Good morning. Please be seated. Thank you so much for being with us this morning as we've gathered together here at Malvern Hill Baptist Church. Uh, appreciate you all giving me and my family the opportunity to get away, get away last week. And of course, very grateful for all the folks in leadership around here who makes that possible. Um, uh, and, and really without missing a beat, you guys still had great worship service here and a uh, good message. Thank you, Adam, for doing that and so many others who participated to make sure that worship went off without a hitch last week. So I'm very grateful for that. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be the book of Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. We've been in the book of Hebrews for quite some time now. We're going to shorten our reading just a little bit from what's listed there in your bulletin. We're going to be in Hebrews chapter 10, and we're going to read beginning in... Just a minute. Here we go. We're going to read beginning in verse 23, and we're going to go all the way through verse 31. I'm going to ask you if you would to please stand with me in honor of God's Word. The Bible says this, therefore... Oh, sorry. Hold on. Wrong place. Verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire will, that will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has outraged, outraged the Spirit of grace? For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. And it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Let's keep going. But recall the former days when after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with suffering, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property, since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For when you, have, when you have need of endurance, so that when, so that when you, ah, oh, I can't read. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done all, all uh, for you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith, and if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. Let's pray together. Father God in heaven, I pray that we would be those who have faith and preserve their souls. Father, help us to not shrink back, but instead to move forward in faith, trusting without fail in the blood of Jesus Christ. Lord God, may we be known as followers of Christ in all that we say and all that we do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. This morning, I'm preaching a passage of Scripture that proves the reason for why it is that we should preach through books and long texts of Scripture systematically. Because to be totally honest, in year 2020, in the midst of all the things that we're experiencing right now, it would be really easy 
to avoid preaching a sermon on the importance of regular church attendance. And the reason it would be easy to do that is because it is challenging today. And yet God's Word brings us to this place. 2020 is an odd year. I think that goes without saying. We are enduring a global pandemic. Our nation has been rocked by social, racial, and political unrest. Hurricanes have come. Wildfires are raging. Georgia Tech beat Florida State. I even watched and enjoyed a Clemson football game yesterday. 2020 is messing us all up. And one of the greatest interruptions has been the interruption to what we would call regular church life. There was a time when, at the request of our government, we did not meet in person at all. Then, of course, we began to meet outside, and we've continued to do so in one way or another ever since. Perhaps 2020 has caused some of you to question the importance or the necessity of the church. Even for those who haven't questioned it outright, some folks have been slow to return to the gatherings of the church. Hear me say this, and I want you to pay close attention, and I want to have lots of witnesses for what I'm saying. Many of you who are watching at home have very good reasons for not venturing out into public spaces right now. Some of you find yourselves right in the middle of those high-risk categories, and as a result, you are making the right choice by staying out of public spaces. Now, we used to say that you should be at church unless providentially hindered. In other words, unless something that is in the Lord's control and outside of your control keeps you from being here. I would say that if you're in a high-risk category today and you feel compelled to stay home, you could definitely say that you've been providentially hindered from being here because you have no control over this pandemic around us. But unless you are providentially hindered, you should gather with your church family. Now, I want to consider a few quotes I dug up this morning before we get into the full text of our scripture. I love this one. Church should be your excuse for missing everything else. Parents, if you want to communicate the importance of your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, you will do so in a way no more effectively than you can by making sure that your children understand that Sunday mornings are set aside for gathering with your church family. John Stott once wrote this, I trust that none of my readers is, in that or is that grotesque anomaly, an unchurched Christian. The New Testament knows nothing of such a person, for the church lies at the very center of the eternal purposes of God. Cyprian once declared that outside the church there is no salvation. D.L. Moody once said church attendance is as vital to a disciple as a transfusion of rich, healthy blood to a sick man. And folks, can we find a more apt illustration for our current time than that one right there? We've seen the value of healthy blood to bring sick people back to health, and yet we know, or we need to know, and possibly be reminded today, that for followers of Jesus Christ, you need regular infusions of God's grace that comes through the gathering of God's people. The interruptions of 2020 have made it very easy to make church attendance optional. In fact, there have been so many excuses, some good and some bad, that it has been almost impossible to even hold our brothers and sisters accountable 
for church attendance. And some of you are nervous and uncomfortable already. Me too. Welcome to the club, folks. But there comes a time when we have to address the elephant in the room <laughs> or in the parking lot. And that elephant is this. Some of you who are listening to this sermon have become incredibly lax in your church attendance and you have no good reason. Now listen, I've been told before that you catch a lot more flies with honey than you do with vinegar. This is going to be a pretty sour sermon to endure. But I've also performed that experiment in my house. And I catch a lot more gnats with vinegar than I do with honey. So we're going we're gonna to take our medicine this morning because it comes from God's Word. See, I've been laboring with this sermon all week because I know that it's going to hit hard for some of you. But I sat with a guy this week who really gave me the perfect illustration for this sermon and the real encouragement that I needed to preach it. Now, he doesn't attend our church. He doesn't even live in our state. But he told me this. He said, Craig, I'll be honest with you. My wife and I have really gotten into a bad habit. He said, I admit it. It's hypocritical. I don't have a good reason for not attending worship. He said, it's just gotten really easy to sit on my couch in my pajamas with my coffee and to watch worship with my wife. You ready for this? And then to shower and get dressed and go get lunch, go out to lunch afterward. I said, brother, you just gave me the illustration I need for Sunday morning. I said, I won't use your name. He said, you can. I don't even live there. It'll be okay. I'm not going to use his name, but folks, he was honest with me. I said, you understand the hypocrisy of that? He said, I do, and I've got to change. Listen, some of you haven't been anywhere since March. And for those of you who haven't been anywhere since March, we understand, okay? I, I love you, and, and, and there, there's good reason for some of that. But if we're just honest, some of you just gotten way too comfortable on your couch or at the campground or on the lake. You aren't avoiding church gatherings out of a concern for public health. Folks, if you're still going to work, sending your kids to school, eating in restaurants and attending football games, you need to be at church. So there I said it. Now let's dig in this morning. This isn't just the gripes of a pastor. It's the truth of God's Word. And look, hear me say this. Just for any of you that might be watching at home or sitting in the parking lot going, well, he's just worried about blah, blah, blah. Look here. I ain't worried about nothing. Okay? I'm not. In many ways, we're experiencing some incredible blessings from the Lord right here at Malvern Hill. You guys have continued to give and give and give, and I hope you will because we're going to be able to do some things financially this year that we've not been able to do before. That's been a blessing. I'm not preaching this sermon because I'm afraid I'm not going to get paid next week. I'm preaching this sermon because I'm concerned for the people of God. And I'm concerned for their relationship with the Lord. And I'm concerned for the picture that the church is painting to a watching world. And I'm concerned that as God's children, we be obedient to God's Word. So let's consider this morning four reasons why you need to prioritize church attendance even, or perhaps we should say, especially during these tumultuous times. Number one this morning, let's just get it out of the way. God commands it, period. This really should be enough, shouldn't it? I, I love, my, my kids, of course, are here, and I love this question for my children. Parents, I think you can read, it's the favorite.
favorite question my children ask me. I get up in the morning and I hope that they'll ask me this question. I roll over at Angela. I say, baby, it's a new day. I can't wait. How long before I get to hear my favorite question? Parents, what's our favorite question? It's this one. Why? Don't you love that? Don't we? Teachers, you're back in school today. Y'all love it, don't you? Here's your assignment. Why? It doesn't matter why, does it? I just gave it to you. Why do I need to clean my room? Because I said so. I put the roof over your head. I paid for the carpet on the floor. For goodness sakes, I paid for the covers that are on the bed. And if I tell you to drag them up over top of the pillow and make it look neat, you've got a responsibility to do what I told you to do. I gave you life. You only breathe air in this house because I pay for the air. And some of you parents, if you don't have that kind of an expectation of your children, you're not doing them any favors, folks. You don't be mean to your children, but it's important for your children to understand that there is an authority structure in your home. And when as a parent you speak, they are to obey. And it's not because we need to control our children out of some sense of pride. It's because they need to learn that authority is existent in their life. And just as they live under your authority as a parent, you live under the authority of God. And they are learning regularly as they obey you what it means to obey their heavenly Father. And your heavenly Father says, get your rear end to church regularly. He says it a little bit more carefully in Hebrews chapter 10, 25. Do not forsake the gathering together of yourselves as a group of believers is the way that I memorized it. We have a responsibility. And folks, this is a command in God's word. It's not an option. You need to be with the people of God. Now, does that, listen, lest anybody accuse me of heresy, does that have anything to do with that building? It absolutely does not. We're gathering right now in an open-air facility. That sounds a lot more, like, special than a parking lot, doesn't it? We're in an open-air sanctuary. Folks, we are gathering with the people of God. And that's an expectation. It's a requirement. It's a command of God's Word. God expects us to worship together, corporately, to gather the people to whom this sermon was preached were losing their commitment to regular church attendance, and it was of utmost concern for the preacher writing this sermon. There was a creeping apathy that threatened the church just as there is in our day today. Church attendance isn't an option. It is an expectation from the Lord. Let me remind you that the people to whom this letter, this sermon was originally written were experiencing a degree of persecution. Now, we're going to continue to read in the book of Hebrews and go say, you've not yet suffered to the point of shedding blood, but these people were losing possessions. Some of them had been imprisoned. They were looking forward to what was certainly going to be a harsher day of persecution. And yet, in the midst of all of that, the writer to the Hebrews says, don't forsake the gathering together. Because as scary as it may be to get together, you desperately need it, and God expects it. God expects it. Folks, if we as a church were putting you at unnecessary risk 
then I would say that you would have the argument to come and say, Craig, God expects us to gather together. But pastor, you're not creating an environment where we can gather in a way that is relatively safe and conducive to our worship experience. But let me remind you, we are worshiping outdoors in God's sanctuary. Or you can worship indoors in Malvern Hills Sanctuary. You can sit in your, in your car and worship with the air conditioning on. Folks, there's an opportunity, a responsibility, an expectation from God's Word. God says that His people should gather together. Church attendance isn't an option. It's an expectation. Number two. And can I just say, how dumb is it that we need number two, right? <laughs> so, so when I get to point number two, it's not because I think that we really need it, but because God loves us enough to continue to give us reasons. Isn't that awesome? We don't have to jump up and down and say, why? God says, you do it. And then God says, let me show you why. Let me show you why. The second thing we see right here is that it is important for our accountability. We need it for our accountability. We need the church. In verse 24, it says, let us consider how to stir up one another to good works. Literally there, it's how to spur one another on or provoke one another to love and good works. When I use the word provoke, why doesn't your Bible use the word provoke right there? Because the word provoke carries a very negative connotation in our minds, doesn't it? When I use the word provoke, I think about, I think about brothers and sisters that just do this. They're in the back seat, you know? Y'all ever, y'all ever a kid like that? Maybe your brother was that way in the back seat of the car. You're sitting there, and he just reaches over, and he just pokes you and pokes you and pokes you and provokes and provokes, and finally you go, ah! And then what happens? You're the one that gets in trouble, and he's sitting over there grinning as he provoked you. I'm not saying I had a brother like that. I'm just not saying I didn't have a brother like that. You know what I mean? Like, but yet, that's, that's the word that God uses to help us to understand. Part of accountability in our lives means that we need some people that will rub us the wrong way. We don't just show up at church to be coddled. Now look here, there are times when we need the church to be that shoulder upon which we can lean and cry. There are days when I need the church to uphold me. One of the things that I tell people about my time here at Malvern Hill, I've been a pastor here now for over 13 years, but what I, I, generally, I, I generally subtract six months. So I, I say I've been the pastor here for 12 and a half years, and for about six months of that time, they pastored us. Because we can look back at some difficult times in our lives when I, I really felt like the church was more valuable to me than I was to the church. Folks, you some of y'all walk those days with me. You know what I'm talking about. There were days when you guys were the strength I needed to move on. We need that love and support from the church. You know where I don't get that love and support? Laying in my bed, sitting on my couch. I don't get it in a deer stand. I don't. And look, the weather's cooling off. There's going to come a point in time soon in the next few weeks where I am going to enjoy sitting in a deer stand. But do you know what I don't get right there? I get the beauty of God's creation. I get the joy of some alone time. You know what I don't get? I don't get the fellowship of God's believers. You know what else I don't get for all of y'all that lie to me about how much time you spend praying in the woods? I don't get a good prayer time there. And I'm, I'm just going to be blunt, honest with you. You have two choices in life. You can either hunt well or pray well, but you can't do both. 
And I'm going to tell you why. Because if you're doing business with Jesus, you ain't got time to look at what's going on around you. And I can tell you that from personal experience. There have been times when I might have missed an opportunity to do something because I was doing business with Jesus. There's also been times when I missed an opportunity to do business with Jesus because I was doing something else. Now, maybe some of you are better people than me and you can multitask. But neuroscience says that that's probably not true for pretty much any of us. But for our intents, intended purposes today, I want you to hear this. What I miss more than anything is the accountability and the fellowship of my brothers and sisters in Christ when I'm not regularly gathered with my brothers and sisters in Christ. Last Sunday, I was very grateful for the opportunity that we had to join with you guys in worship from where we were. It was wonderful, right? It really was great. Adam preached a great sermon, best sermon he's preached the entire time he's been here. He, he did that last week. That's the truth. Um, and uh, everything went well in spite of what I later found out was all sorts of frustration leading up to the moment of worship. Everything went great. And I sat with my children and my wife and my mother-in-law, and I sat with my cup of coffee, and we sang, and, and we worshiped together. But you know what? I missed, I missed the opportunity for my brothers and sisters in Christ to be here with me. There was nobody for me to lean upon if I was upset, if I was on a difficult day. You know what else there was? There was nobody rough as sandpaper to rub up against me and tell me when I was wrong. There was nobody to polish off the rough edges in my life. We need that in our lives. We need the church. Folks, we also need someone to push us ahead. And this has been one of the greatest challenges during 2020. Pushing you to attend church can, to some people, seem as though I'm pushing you to be irresponsible about your own health or the, or the health of others. I... I, I, I I mean, we, we've even found a way to politicize a pandemic. I mean, seriously, we, we have, right? It's, it's, it's mind-blowing to me. Folks, we need to ask some hard questions about one another. There, there needs to be a line, and here's what I mean. So if, if you're not yet comfortable worshiping with your brothers and sisters in Christ, let's just, I, I, can, I can be understanding to a point, but here's what I, I need, and this is the way, the only way I can come up with that we can provide accountability. I need you to give me a line in the sand. I need you to decide at what point will you be comfortable gathering with your church family. And if for you that means that when a vaccine is available and widely distributed, then at least say it, okay? Say that I would be uncomfortable being regularly in public until such time as we've reached a, a level of vaccination or herd immunity. Okay, that would be one option. Perhaps for you, there's just a, a, a calendar point in your mind. Maybe you say, until, you know, February of 2020, I'm just uncomfortable being in public spaces. I'm not eating out in restaurants. I'm not attending football games. My kids aren't going to dance competitions, and, and my children are not attending in-person school. Ugly moment. Here it comes. You ready? If your kids are attending in-person school, you, 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 come on. Come on, folks. Come on. Where's the line? Maybe, maybe it's when we reach a certain number of infections. I'll be honest with you. That's, that's been something I watch regularly. As I think about how it looks like for us to gather and knot up in indoor groups. 
right? I, I, I'm, I'm regularly watching the curve in our own community. What happens in California doesn't have a whole lot to do with what happens in Camden, you understand? So I'm not too worried about what's happening there, but we want to see what's going on here. Perhaps for you, it's universal mask wearing, whatever it is. I would urge you to consider what is the point in time or in space or in reality where you would say, this is it. Because that's a part of helping us to hold you accountable, right? If you come to me and you say, Craig, on October the 15th, come hell or high water, whatever else is going on at that point, I, I'm not saying it makes good sense, Craig, but in my mind, I've just set that as the date. Well, at least I know that I say, all right, if I don't see you on that first Sunday after October the 15th, I'm calling you on the phone and saying, brother, I'm concerned. What's going on? You with me? Right? If, if for you it is a, 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 a vaccination thing, and, and, that, and, 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 and we, we seem to, it seems that if everything goes well, we're not going to see good vaccination until somewhere in the middle of 20, you know, March, April, May 2021. But if that's where you are, okay. Then at least we know what we're looking towards. But y'all, we need to draw a line in the sand and say, this is where I am, so that there can be real accountability in your life. If you don't have a line, you need to make one. Make a decision and make your decision known to others so that there's somebody that can hold you accountable. And y'all, I want you to know this is what I do in my own life. There are some of you who can attest that I have come to you in person and I've said, this is going on in my life. And as a result of these three things, it's possible that I would sin in this particular area. If you see me do this, I want you to hold me to the carpet on this. I want you to call me out. There's people in this, in this venue right now who have had me say that to them. So I'm not telling you or asking you or urging you to do something that I don't live out in my own life. The only way there can be real accountability in our lives is if we open ourselves up to it. You understand? I have to invite it in if I really want it to take place. Now, I want to push you a little bit as it relates to church attendance here at Malvern Hill. We have three options on campus. I've already said this. But you can sit in your car. You can sit in a chair in the parking lot or on the lawn. Or you can sit inside socially distanced in our sanctuary. You need the church. You need the church when life is easy. And if you need it when it's easy... How much more do you need the church today? You need people in your life who will spur you on to good works. You need people who will hold you accountable. And so I'll just go ahead and say it, Christian, unless you have a health condition that's keeping you away, let's get back to church. You need the church, and the church needs you. Number three, the world needs you in the church for evangelism. The world needs your regular church attendance for evangelism. What does the world see in your actions? Do they see the importance of your relationship with Christ? Can you share Christ with your neighbors and have them believe that your relationship with Christ really matters? If your life is not noticeably different than their life, why would they believe that anything you have to say is valuable? And then parents, I've been preaching this for 13 years, so... I might as well say it again. If you have children, there's little you can do to convince them of the value of a relationship with Christ than to make church attendance a priority. 
If your boys can go to football practice, they better be at church. And if they're not, here's what you're saying to them. And you might as well just go ahead and say it verbally. And this would be my challenge to you. Because you're saying it with your actions. Just look at them and say, son, I value, I value your activity on the football field far more than I value your relationship with Christ. Now, very few of us would ever fix our mouths to say that. But some of you never have to speak it out loud because your actions have already displayed it over and over and over again. Now, again, am I saying that there won't be things that take you from church attendance? I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that they should be so incredibly rare that when you are not at church, people should be concerned by your absence. Rhonda's not here. Is she dying? Folks, that should be the kind of regularity with which we find ourselves in attendance at the church. You understand? Like, there must be something really wrong if he's not here because he's here all the time. There's little you can do, parents, to convince your children of the value of a relationship with Christ than to make church attendance a priority. If you feel inadequate to teach your children, if you feel inadequate even to share the gospel with your children, first of all, I I just want you to know that you can do it. But I will remind you that your actions scream louder than any words you'll ever speak. And there are going to be many, many children who see their parents in heaven, who look at their parents, and they say, thank you for taking me to church. There are going to be many testimonies of children who come to Christ with parents who felt inadequate to teach or even to share the gospel, but they made it across the finish line of faith. Because even when their parents didn't do a really good job with devotions or a really good job with explaining everything they wanted to explain, they continued to show them with a pattern of faithful attendance in God's church that Jesus mattered more. Folks, the world needs to see that. The world needs to see that. When I I was on my sabbatical, what's that, two years ago now, a year and a half ago? Can I have another one? Um... When I was on my sabbatical a couple years ago, one of the things that I did is I, I you know, I didn't, attend, I didn't attend worship here for five weeks. I didn't see y'all at all. I only showed up at the building like once or twice because I needed to come into my office late at night and steal some books. But I completely avoided everything. My family was still worshiping here, but that meant that there was a lot of Sundays when I would go and, and attend a, an early worship service over in Columbia or, or even at a, at a local church here in our town. And as a result, I might be getting home before you guys had even gotten out because y'all got these long-winded preachers around here. And, and I saw things that, that just shocked me because I'm, I'm the preacher, right? I just kind of, you, you, you begin to assume that, that, the, that the world is more churched than it is. Man, I drive through my neighborhood and all the cars were still parked where they were when I left that morning. Or the lawnmowers were running. And, and I couldn't help but wonder if perhaps 
When my neighbor got up on Sunday morning and saw my sweet wife rushing my four children out the door, trying with everything she could to get them in the car and get them to church, if, if maybe some of my neighbors went, what in the world is wrong with those people? Or maybe my neighbors would have said, wow, that must really matter to them because here I am sitting on the porch drinking coffee and they're just working their tails off to get to church. Folks, at the very least, they knew there was something different. There was something that mattered enough. And they were there. The world needs us to be here for the sake of evangelism because, folks, not only are we encouraged to be missional and taught how to share the gospel, our presence, our activity says something to a watching world. Fourthly, this morning, and folks, perhaps, this is most important. We are lost without it. I know that this isn't a popular thing to say. I know that. And I know that in, in a lot of corners of evangelicalism, this runs counter to the things that people want to believe. We are right to, to emphasize a personal relationship with Jesus because it is very clear to me from God's Word that it is only those who call upon the name of the Lord who will be saved. But folks, you can't run into God's Word and find a picture of those who are saved who are not a part of a local church. The idea that people belong to Jesus and don't look like Jesus and hang around the people of Jesus is foreign to God's Word. Am I telling you that you can't be saved if you're not a part of a local church? No, I'm not. I'm just telling you the Bible doesn't say that it's possible. So how about that? I'm just telling you that I can't find evidence of that in God's Word. So maybe I'm wrong. Okay, maybe you can run to God's Word and you can find me all these pictures of people in God's Word who were followers of Jesus but who were not a part of regularly gathering with the people of God. I can come up with one. There was a thief on a cross, right? So I give you that. Deathbed confessions, absolutely. Now, folks, some of you say, well, what about backsliding, brother? What about this? What about this? I'm going to read to you from God's Word. For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified for, and has outraged the Spirit of grace? For we know him who said... Vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of an angry God. Perhaps the greatest fear from the preacher to the Hebrews about avoiding church membership or church attendance, regular gathering with God's people, perhaps the greatest fear was the fear of apostasy that those who avoided God's people would fall away from the faith and would have no hope for eternal salvation. We're lost without the church. We're lost without the church and in danger of being eternally lost. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of an angry God. We lie to ourselves if we try to convince ourselves that there are these two pictures of God in the, in the Scriptures, that we have this angry God in the Old Testament, this sweet grandfather God in the New Testament. The truth of the matter is that from Genesis to Revelation, He is a God who is angry towards sin and who will hold sinners accountable for their sinful ways. 
It is true from Genesis all the way to Revelation that the only hope that we have is the grace of God because we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the great hope we have is the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all on the shoulders of Jesus Christ. And yet how terrible of a thing is it for us who claim to be followers of Jesus to trample underfoot the very body of Christ, the bride of Christ, the church, and to assume that we know better than God's word. I know that this is one of those bitter, sour sermons. And folks, I don't, I don't preach a lot of them. But sometimes God's word speaks pretty plainly and clearly. This, this morning, one of my prayers all week has been that I would be sympathetic toward those who have legitimate concerns for why it is that they can't gather with God's people. That nobody, nobody who's stuck at home because of real legitimate health issues would feel judged or condemned by me because I'm not doing that today. But my other prayer was that I would do nothing to blunt the edge of God's Word where it needed to perform surgery upon God's people. That I would not stand in the way of God's Holy Spirit bringing conviction to God's people. Or perhaps, maybe even more importantly, that I would not stand in the way of God's Holy Spirit bringing conviction to those who do not yet belong to Jesus Christ. Church attendance really isn't optional. It should be your excuse for missing everything else. Because I know church people, I am one. I also know that one of the first things that we do is start trying to explain away, right? Isn't that the way we work? Well, now, what about Sunday nights? What about Wednesday nights? Hey, can we just talk right now about Sunday mornings? Can we? Can, can, can we just do that and say that the gathering with God's people is an expectation and a privilege and an opportunity? Can, 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 can I just tell you something, parents? That rather than try to find excuses to not be with God's people, I would encourage you if you're raising children to find excuses to be with God's people. So what about Wednesdays and Sunday nights and all other stuff? I would encourage you to try to find excuses to be with God's people. Why? Because if we're doing church the right way, if, if we are, and I'm operating under the assumption that we're at least getting close to it, if we're doing church the right way, then the regular interaction that your children have with the people of God in their local church the greater opportunity they have to grow as children of God and the better opportunity you have to see them become followers of Christ. The more often they spend with the people of God, the better chance you have of the people of God and the things of God rubbing off on them. The better chance we have that they will become people of God themselves. The church is not optional. It should be your excuse for missing everything else. Is there a risk involved to us gathering together? Yes. Yes. I'm not going to deny that. As a matter of fact, I, would, I, would, I believe the risk is higher than many of you do. I do. I believe there is a risk to us gathering together. There is a chance that somebody 
could walk in here with COVID-19 and, and could spread it to several of us. There, that possibility exists. The possibility also exists that somebody could show up and shoot up the place one day. That somebody could give the flu to 15 of us. All of those things are real possibilities. Is COVID-19 a real risk? It is. And for those of you that refuse to believe it, I spoke with a man yesterday who buried a father and a mother of a 14-year-old adopted child. And my heart broke. They died seven hours apart. Is it real? Yes. But folks, there will always be risks. There's a risk to everything that we do. I'm about two and a half years away from having a kid that drives. Some of y'all are already there. And I'm going to be terrified because there will be a risk every time he gets on the road. There's a risk every time that my boys take a snap under a football play. There's a risk at a gymnastics class. I got a daughter that broke a leg on the playground here at the church and an arm doing a cartwheel. There are risks everywhere. So I'm not telling you there are no risks. I'm asking you this. Is it worth it? Folks, we've mitigated many risks by being out here. Church attendance just isn't optional. We need one another. And God didn't tell us that when it gets hard, that's a good time to walk away. As a matter of fact, to the writer of the Hebrews looked at him and said, in spite of all these things, don't forsake the gathering together of yourselves. We've got to find a way and make excuses to be together because we are the people of God. And that's just what we do. That's who we are. If you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I want to invite you when we sing in just a moment, to come right up here and speak with me. Nothing would give me greater joy than to lead you to Jesus today. If you don't want to walk all the way up here, grab somebody beside you because there's a whole bunch of people right here that would love to tell you about Jesus. The second thing this morning as it relates to a response has everything to do with the song that we're about to sing. We're singing No Church Arise first, right, Kevin? Here's what I want. See, if I'm just honest with you, Y'all singing's been kind of atrocious since we've been in the parking lot. All right? And I get it. I know why. You're afraid somebody's going to hear you. And not all of you can sing. Okay? Here's what I want. I want you to get your bulletins out. I brought mine so I could show you. And I want us, as a response to this message today, to sing to the Lord with all of our hearts. And if you're one of those, you know, men that never sing in church, get over it. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. If you're a teenage boy who's afraid somebody's going to hear you, then walk away from everybody else and make a joyful noise unto the Lord. But we're going to stand and we're going to sing. And we're going to sing, O church, arise and put your armor on and hear the call of Christ our captain. We're going to sing to the Lord because the church matters. Because the church is God's gift to you and to the whole wide world. 
And folks, we are God's people. And in the midst of pandemic and national unrest, we've got a reason to sing. So let's stand together and let's sing. Join with me. Father in heaven, I pray that our voices would be, Lord God, a rival to those angelic choirs, that you would be blessed by this time of worship. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing together.